unexpected privilege of just being able to get up this morning and make our way enthusiastically to this place of worship. And God, we pray now that you would speak to our hearts and our minds, that we would hear word and that that word would uh, motivate us, encourage us, and strengthen us. And may you be glorified, your people blessed, in Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to turn with me once again to the passage that Pastor Stevens read in Mark chapter 5. Um, and I'm just going to read a few verses beginning at verse 18. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit it, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. I want to preach the first sermon in a three-part series today entitled Journeying to the cross. We are making our way now to Resurrection Sunday. Um, And we want to look at several uh, stories, several occurrences that happened in the life of Jesus as he made his way towards the cross. When we get to Resurrection Sunday, it will be a great celebration. But there were some things that happened in his life along the way that were very challenging and that were that were very painful. You know, when you when you look at somebody uh, and they are in a good spot, they are celebrating, they 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 have the victory. You really don't know what they've been through in order to get to where they're going. Now, just last week. Um, uh, uh, the president of the United States spoke at uh, Benedict College in Columbia, South Carolina. And my daughter sent us a little video clip that the news carried. And it was a beautiful sight to watch Air Force One come in and land. And he got off the plane and he went uh, to the crowd immediately. And the crowd, um, it was a multicultural cl- crowd, multiracial crowd. And he was shaking hands with people, and he was smiling, and then he went on to the campus of Benedict, and, you know, he was at the town hall meeting and talking to the students, and he was smiling and talking to the crowd and encouraging people, and then he left in the motorcade, and it was a, it was a beautiful picture to see. But one of the things that dawned on me uh, afterwards, after looking at that great celebration, that this, you never know what this man has been through. You know, the hurt and the pains. And sometimes people um, look at the pastor and look at the pastor's wife and, 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 and hear uh, social pastor Stevens pray. And you say, man, you know, that's exciting. But you don't really know the tears and the pain that they've been through to get to where they, to where they are. And the same thing like you. People see you. They see our deacons. They see our technology ministry. They see our health care ministry. They see members of the congregation but, but people don't really know what you've been through, the journey, the pains, and, and, and the things that you've had to endure to get to where you, were, where, are, where you are. But on a much higher level, when we look at Jesus, and when we think about Calvary, and we celebrate on Easter, and we shout, 
But, but it's important to look at a lot of the pain and the suffering and the agony that he went through. I mean, there was even a point where Jesus wept. I mean, you know, just heartbroken over the things that had been going on. And, uh, and so today we want to focus on, on, on journey towards the cross. And today um, we'll look on at rejection. I mean, how he was really just rejected after trying to do good. And, th- and that's, the, that's the painful thing. I mean, he, he, he wasn't doing anything bad in this town. He was doing something good, and, and, and the people wanted him out. So today, as Jesus journeys towards the cross, Mark informs us that he and his disciples went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Mark goes an extra step in his descriptive analysis of this man stating that he lived in the tombs. I mean, he just was not there visiting. This man lived in the tombs. The word for tombs means the graveyard or the cemetery. So this man had left his house, wherever he once was living, had moved his, his residence, had changed his address to the tombs, and he was living out in the graveyard. Now, no one could hold him captive, the Bible said, not even chains. And Mark said he had often been chained hand and foot. They put uh, chains on his hand and on his feet, but he tore the chains apart and he broke the irons off of his feet. And no one was strong enough to subdue him. I read this this morning and and I thought about Uh, Deacon Bell, and I thought about Deacon McKay, and I thought about some of the other strong men of our congregation. I've also told Deacon Bell he's one of the strongest men in Polk County. (laughs) I've seen him demonstrate his strength, but not even Deacon Bell or Deacon McKay or any of us all together would have been able to hold this man. The Bible says he he, he had become verbal uh, abusive. He was a verbal nuisance. Um, the Bible says that he was disturbing the peace day and night. He was yelling and screaming and crowned out uh, with a loud voice at the top of his lungs. Imagine how sickening that must have been for the town's people hearing this man yelling and, and screaming obscenities all night. He was cursing and swearing all night, and you can imagine the things that he was saying because people that don't have the Spirit of God in them and people that have evil spirits in them and people who are just full of the devil will say just about anything. And, and you can read some of the stuff that they think and say on bumper stickers, and you can, you can listen to some of the things that they say on television and on, on the Internet, some of the very hateful and harmful and hideous things people say. That's because they are full of the devil. People who are full of evil will say anything. People in your workplace, people you encounter on the street, people you see driving, people you, you come in contact with that don't know God, are subject to say anything out of their mouths. They have no respect for women and no respect for children, no respect for themselves. That's where this man was. Now, amid all this going on, the man had another issue. Not only was he verbally abusive, but he was self-destructive. Verse 5 of the text reads, Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stone. People that don't know God, people who are full of evil are self-destructive. They hurt themselves with all kind of, all kind of methods. And not only will they hurt themselves, but they'll hurt you. Yeah. 
It hurt you if they have a chance. He he was he was he night and day he was he was crying out and cutting himself with stones. Here was a man who was completely out of control. His circumstances and his situation uh, were was above were above his ability to cope with or uh, even change. People who are outside of God, people who are controlled by evil are functioning and they don't even have the ability within themselves to change. But something phenomenal is about to happen. Verse 6 is a transitional verse. That, That is, it sets the stage for a mighty move of God to occur. Not only that, it state, verse states, uh, it, it's a transitional verse, whether it, it's, a, it's a verse that builds a bridge from information to, to transformation. In other words, in verses 1 through 5, Mark was giving out information. When you ver- read verses 1 through 5, he's giving out information. But now in verse 6, he is about to, to present transformation. In verses 1 through 5, Mark is talking about what was. But in verse 6, he's about to talk about what's to come. Verse 6 states, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Verse 7, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. Now in verse 8, Jesus, for for Jesus in verse 8, had just come to him. And, and said, come out of the man, you evil spirit. In verse 9, then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And with that, he begged Jesus repeatedly not to send him out of the area. So it was a large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons, the demons in this man, begged Jesus to send them among the pigs and, 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 and allow them to go into them. And Jesus gave his permission. And the evil spirits entered the pigs. The pigs were about 2,000, the Bible says, in number. They rushed down a steep bank and they were drowned. Don't you know that evil, the intention of evil is to destroy, to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10, 10? That's why the enemy comes. Now, notice what happens next. Something interesting. The folk who were tending the herds of pigs ran off and reported what had happened to the people in town and in the countryside. Upon hearing this information, the people came out to see for themselves. These folk went back and told the people what happened. They came out to see for themselves. Y'all know how action draws us. People tell tell us things, and we run out to see for ourselves. Now, when they came to Jesus, they saw something remarkable. They saw the man who had been possessed by the legions of demons, legion of demons, sitting there, dressed in his right mind. And they were afraid. Now, is there anybody here today, this morning, besides me, that is curious as to why these people were afraid? They should have been afraid when the man was cutting himself and yelling and screaming. Now he's healed, 
sitting there clothed in his right mind, and the Bible says that they are afraid. After all, it seems to me that they should have been excited. They should have been shouting. But instead, they were afraid. They should have been praising God because this man who was once a fool was now sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. This man who once kept everybody on the edge all day and, and, and awake all night was now clothed in his right mind. This man who at one point in his life could not have been bound by change was serene with the Savior. But they were afraid. But not only were they afraid, they wanted Jesus to leave town. That's the rejection I'm talking about. Here, here he is on his way to Calvary to die for the sins of the world. The man has just, the Lord has just worked a miracle and they want him to leave town. Verses 16 and 17 informs us those who had seen the events unfold, told the neighbors what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Has anybody ever asked you to leave a place for doing what was right? Has anybody ever rejected you not because you were doing anything wrong? You were rejected because you really was doing right. And they asked him to leave. The people began to plead with Jesus. How sad. You would think the people would have been praising God and thanking Jesus for his presence and for his miracle. But instead, they were afraid and they begged him to leave his, that, their region. But why was such the case? Have you thought, why was such the case? What was the basis of their fear? Why did they want Jesus to leave? Upon what grounds were their fears predicated? Verse 15 actually says, and they were afraid. But now while the text does not spell out specific reasons for the people's fears and, and for the reason they wanted Jesus to leave, the text does give several implications, and I want to point those out to you this morning. Implication one, they wanted him to leave. They were afraid and wanted him to leave because there was the fear of exposure. That's the implication of the text. They wanted him to, they should have been shouting, hallelujah, praise God, but they were afraid and wanted him to leave, not because he did anything wrong, but because he did everything right. They wanted him to leave because there was the fear of exposure. You see, the fact that Jesus exposed the evil means, the evil methods, and the evil motives of the demiarch man sent shockwaves through the hood. That's what it was about. Because he, because he exposed the demon. He looked at him. He told them. He let everybody know what was going on. Because he exposed their evil means, their methods and motives 
of, of the Demiac man, Demiac man, it sent shockwaves through the community, through the hood, through the neighborhood. Well, what's the implication here? The implication is that human nature as well as tradition tells us that wicked people with wicked ways seek to ply their trades under the cover of darkness. Are you with me? The last thing they want is for someone to come to town, come into the assembly, come to the meeting, come to the workplace, or even come to the church and pull the cover off and let the light shine into darkness. Are you with me? All right, all right, all right. Let's, let's, let's go here. They don't mind. Listen, the town folk didn't mind. And, and, and people don't mind folk coming to town who will accept the status quo. You, you all right if you come, you don't accept, you, you accept the status quo. They don't mind people who will accept the status quo or get with the program or get on the bandwagon. So but when Jesus came to town, he cut to the chase got at the root of the demonic, demon-possessed man's sinful behavior, and folks, instead of shouting, praising God, got nervous. The obvious attitude penetrating their minds, perusing their mischief, and permeating their madness was this. Since Jesus exposed the sin of the demon-possessed man, he will eventually, it might not happen today, it might not happen tomorrow, it might not happen next week or next year, but, but, but since he exposed the sins, had the power, the infinite wisdom to see and expose the sins, since he had the discernment to expose the sins of the demon-possessed man, here's the fear, he will eventually get around to exposing their sin. Help me somebody. That's why they were fearful. That's why they rejected him. That's why they wanted him to leave. And such exposure would definitely not be good for business. Are you with me? Implication two. There was the fear of expenditures. That is, it would cost the highballers, the high rollers, too much out-of-pocket cash for Jesus to stay in town. Are y'all going to walk with me today? I, I know it's 8 o'clock, sir, but I, I'm all excited about this. Yeah, yeah. See, see, it, it would cost the highballers too much out-of-pocket cash for Jesus to stay in town. Okay, why? Because pig farming was big business. They, I mean, they weren't raising hogs for pets. They were raising hogs for profit. Are you with me? I mean, that's what, that's what this thing was all about. It was about the dollar. All right? 
Pig farming, if you check, if you check the hit, pig farming was big business. Pigs were a cash commodity. Therefore, it was far better in the minds of the highballers, the investors, to have 2,000 pigs converted to cash than to have one demon-possessed man converted to Christ. I want y'all to hear me today. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, winning this man to Christ wasn't going to put nothing in their pocket. But converting pigs at selling pigs at the market was going to put big bucks in their profit, in their pockets. Now, in the pigs, the power broker saw easy cash. I mean, they ain't had to do nothing. They had other people out there feeding the hogs. They didn't even have to go out there if they didn't want to. In the pigs, the power brokers saw easy cash. But in Jesus, they saw an economic crisis. Oh, y'all, y'all going to walk with me? Listen, in the pigs, they saw financial rise. But in Jesus, they saw financial ruin. Therefore, the logical question confronting the profiteers would have been, how many more fools in the graveyard will he save and who will foot the bill for what he's doing? I mean, if he doesn't save one fool, and and that doesn't cost us you know, you know, th- cost us our livestock and, and thousands and thousands of dollars. That's just one. What happens if he goes around and casts demons all over the place? Are oh, y'all feeling it this morning? I know y'all see it. I know God is opening your eyes now. So they rejected Jesus. They want him to leave. Finally, the third implication is this. There was fear of exemplification. Listen, the crowd witnessed the exemplified power in Jesus to control circumstances and situations of life. When they saw what he had done, they saw an amplification of the power of God. This power was brought clearly into focus by a once out-of-control, demon-possessed man now seated calmly in the presence of Jesus, calm and in his right mind, in that they saw the power of Jesus, that he can control the circumstances and the situations of life, no matter how out-of-control they seem to be, Jesus can fix it. No man could fix it. No woman could fix it. Nobody could fix this man, but Jesus fixed him. Oh, yeah. This power was brought into focus by this man. He was out of control, out of his mind. But now he's calm at the feet of Jesus. One with such power and control is not welcome, especially when people want to reject God and seek to control their own destinies as well as the destinies of others. Oh, you got to go. 
you, 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 you got, you got to go. Like the demon possessed girl who, who folk were using for profit and, 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 the, and the disciples cast the demon out of this girl. And, and now instead of, instead of being used for profit, she's singing the praises of God. You got to go. We don't mind you. We don't mind you going through the motion and being religious. We just don't want to see no change occur in anybody. Because, because if you're controlling them, that means I can't control them. Yeah. And so, and so there was no interest on behalf of the crowd to submit to the Lordship of Jesus and give him controlling interest over their lives. Their attitude was this. Jesus, we don't want you and we don't need you. In verse 17 of the text, they ask him, to please move on. And move on he did. For verse 18 states, if Jesus were getting in the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. Notice this man, this man was the only one in town voted for Jesus to stay. And now that Jesus is gone, he's like, Jesus, if you out of here, I'm out of here too. <laughs> However, Jesus did not let him go with him. But he spoke these words to the man in verse 19. This is what he said. This is powerful. He said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had Mercy on you. Just do that for me. I, I, don't have to, I don't have to be here, but if you just go back and do that. Yeah, you just go back. You, you go back and you just tell them. What, what Jesus said to the man that day was this. I'm on a mission. I'm on a journey. I'm on my way to the cross. But I want you to be my evangelist. Now, don't you worry about it. I, you, don't you worry about it. You can mess things up here, too, now, because, see, you got the proper perspective. You stay here. I want you to stay here and testify. I want you to stay here, and I want you to tell your story. I want you to stay right here, and I want you to lift up the name of Jesus. In other words, Jesus conveyed this message to the man. Who can I leave? I'm on my way to Calvary. I know you want me to stay, but I can't stay. I got to go. But who can I leave in this town to be a better witness for me? Help me somebody. Than you. Who can I leave in this town? Why? Because people knew you. When you were a fool. They knew you when you were living in the graveyard. They knew you when you were screaming and yelling and hollering all day and all night. They knew you when you were cursing and swearing and profaning my name. They knew you when chains couldn't hold you. 
In fact, they knew you when you were off the chain. But look at you now. Closed and in your right mind. Look at you now, sister. They knew you when you didn't put no clothes on. They knew you when in a heartbeat you would take your clothes off. But look at you now. Some folk call you a church girl. Some folk call you a holy roller. Instead of going to the club, you go into the house of God. Who can I leave to be a better witness than you? In your right mind, you saved now. You sanctified now. You're Holy Ghost filled now. You're on your way to heaven now. Who can I leave? So stay here and tell everybody how good God has been to you. Stay here and tell everybody how gracious God has been to you. Who can I leave here? You were sick. Doctor said you wouldn't get well. But look at you now. The Lord has healed your body. Who can I leave here better than you to tell everybody that Jesus is a healer? One day he touched my body. So you stay right here and you tell everybody how merciful God has been to you. Tell them when your friends turned on you. Tell them. When your family turned on you, tell them how Jesus lifted you up, turned you around, placed your feet on solid ground. He said, tell them, tell your story. Now in verse 20, so the man went away and he began to tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And the Bible says all the people were amazed. Reminds me of the song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved, that saved. I was messed up. You were messed up. I was down. You were down. I was lost. You were lost. But saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found. 